through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, now, there was a lot of fun that could be had with titling a message like this uh, because uh, we're looking at the wise and the foolish builder. Uh, but the Greek word for, for fool is moron. You can have a lot of fun with the title with, with that word in it, but uh, instead we're going to title it, Are You a Wise or Foolish Builder? And we'll just kind of leave it at that. Are you a wise or foolish builder? Uh, let's begin in verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken, Jesus says, him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. You know, back in uh, September of 2010, a test was conducted at the Institute for Business and Home Safety in the uh, town of Richburg, uh, South Carolina. The researchers constructed two 1,300-square-foot uh, houses inside this $40 million laboratory and then uh, observed how a simulated hurricane would, would affect these houses. Uh, the first home was built according to conventional standards. The second home included reinforcement straps that connected every level of the home uh, from the foundation all the way into the roof structure. Uh, then the researchers turned on the giant fans and they created gusts of wind up to 110 miles an hour, which is about a Category 3. And the first two experiments, which lasted just under 10 minutes, uh, both houses survived the winds. When they tried the third experiment, turned the fans on for more than 10 minutes, the conventional, homes began, the, the conventional home began to shake and it eventually collapsed. Now, in contrast, the home with the floors and the roof reinforced to the foundation, uh, it was able to sustain just cosmetic damage. One of the engineers working on this project named Tim, Rein Tim Reingold, uh, he, he summarized the result uh, with, with one question. He says, the bottom line that you have, that you have to ask yourself is this, uh, which house would you rather be living in? Now, having just seen still hearing about um, the destruction from Hurricane Dorian, how they're still searching for people that they may never find. I think we sort of understand high winds and torrential rains. I mean, we, we know what our Taku winds are. We know what, what, what they do. And the news, we saw what happened to the houses that were built on the beach that had a poor foundation. So I think we understand an illustration like this from Jesus. But what I want to do is, is, is first of all, turn your attention to, to the end of these verses in verse 28 and 29. We're going to start there first. 
um, where it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The people had not heard anything quite like Jesus before. They were astonished. Now, other translations will say they were amazed or they were astounded. Uh, the word in the Greek is used four times in Matthew. It's used a total of 13 times in the New Testament, but it's confined to the Gospels and the book of Acts, and every time it's used, it is always concerning the people or the disciples in reference to Jesus' teachings or Jesus' miracles. What he did astounded people. It's in the imperfect tense. And what that means is it's, uh, it's, 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 it's ongoing. People are continually astounded when they see what Jesus can do or they hear what Jesus says. And it was, uh, it was unique. Jesus was, of course, unique in their day. What was it that astonished them? What was it that astounded? What was it that amazed them? Well, he taught them as one having authority. Okay? He taught with authority, not like the scribes. And the authority of Jesus is central to the theme of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus taught as one having authority. He demonstrated his authority over nature when he calmed the storm. He had authority over demons, and he demonstrated that because he cast them out. Jesus had authority over disease and illnesses because he healed those afflicted. Jesus has authority over life and death, and he raised some from the dead, and he himself even conquered death and the grave. We're reminded this uh, from Matthew 28, verse 18, where it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. They had never heard a teacher like Jesus. He was teaching them with authority because he is the fulfillment of God's law and, and he is the kingdom. Uh, he is God's promised rock of salvation, the fulfillment of God's plan in history. Uh, he is our source of forgiveness and he is our source of redemption. He is the unchanging word of life. These words are his words. His words are God's eternal words. His words are not like the scribes, not like the rabbis, not like the Pharisees that are ever changing, being reinterpreted with, with the situation or the times, the changing of their culture. Jesus taught directly from Scripture and with his own authority because Jesus is the word. His words are rock solid. They're not going to be moved by anybody or anything. Peter professed this in John uh, chapter 6, verse 68, where it says, uh, where, where he is saying, Lord, to, to whom shall we go? Uh, Lord, it's you. You have the words of eternal life. His words bring life because his message comes from the mouth from the mind, from the heart of God the Father. I mean, how could it be any different since Jesus and the Father are one? See, Jesus did not leave it to the crowd to, to kind of catch on. 
He didn't leave it to the crowd to perceive his authority. He claimed his authority openly. Now, this is quite an audacious claim unless his claims are actually true, which, of course, they are. He didn't give his skeptics much room to maneuver in their opinions of who he was. Um, he was either, either everything he said he was or he was nothing at all. And Jesus must be fully accepted or Jesus must be fully rejected. He is not just a good moral teacher because no good moral teacher would say the astonishing things that Jesus said unless they were true. Back in Matthew 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which buildeth his house upon a rock. All right? These sayings, uh, that word, sayings, is the, is the same word we find in John chapter 1, logos. It means word. Uh, these words of scripture, they have authority. No other book in history can compete with scripture. We need to stand amazed. We need to be astonished and astounded when we encounter the word of God. The illustration that Jesus starts with is, um, starts the, this, the, this section with is, is, is important. It says, therefore, in verse 24, Jesus is about to make an application based on what he had just preached to them beginning in chapter 5. You remember Back, back in chapter 5, I think it was back in February, we were in chapter 5, all right? He is summarizing everything that he has taught to this point. Now, I want you to go back in the sermon just a little bit, just, just into chapter 7, all right? We're not going to go all the way to chapter 5, um, but, but chapter 7, we see that there are two paths to follow. There's a narrow gate, and there's a gate that, that's, that, that, that's broad that leads the way to destruction, Matthew 7.13 says, To enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So there's two ways to go. There's also two trees. In verse 17 it says, for, uh, it says, Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Everyone either bears good fruit or bad fruit. That's your choice. Uh, we're called to be fruit inspectors among those who are in our midst, but also begs the question, what kind of fruit do you produce? Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? Then one of the most convicting of all is verse 21 of chapter 7. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So now there's two types of people, those who do the will of God, and those who do not do the will of God. Two paths, two trees, two types of people, and now we consider two different foundations and those who build on one or the other. Verse 24 again says that whosoever do, heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which builds his house upon a rock. Now you look at verse 26, and we see another builder. Uh, it's, it's similar, but it's opposite. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which builds his house upon the sand. Now, I want you to notice the similarities first here. Uh, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, verse 24. Whosoever hears these sayings of mine, in verse 26. Jesus isn't talking to unchurched people. 
He's not talking to those who have never heard the gospel. He is talking to church folk. He is talking to those who have heard the word. But this is where it gets personal and the difference we see between the two. Those who who hear the words of Jesus and does them, and then those who hear the words of Jesus and does not do them. Hearing the word or merely reading the word is not a substitute for obedience. Neither are your churchy religious works. We learned last week that preaching, casting out demons even, performing miracles, they can be divinely inspired, but they give no assurance of your salvation. Remember, Judas participated in some or all of those activities, yet he was called the son of perdition. He was not a true believer. We are to hear God's word and then do God's word. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. How foolish is it to deceive yourself into thinking that all you have to do is hear, that all you have to do is learn and not put into practice. That is self-deception. We must not stop with only hearing or studying his words. Our hearing must result in doing. This is what it means to build your life on this rock, this this solid foundation. The same way professing Christians, both genuine and counterfeit, will often look alike on, on the outside. You can't easily tell just from the outside which is building their life on the rock and which is building their life on the sand. Jesus is not contrasting professing Christians with non-Christians, professing Christians with those who make no profession. Uh, What what is common to both of these house builders is that they hear Jesus' words. Both of them hear Jesus' words. So both are members of the community, the Christian community, maybe the congregation. Anyways, uh, they, they are together. They are familiar. Both read the Bible. Both go to church. Both listen to sermons. Both buy religious books for their Kindle. You know, they, they look on the outside. They look okay. And the reason you cannot often tell the difference between them is because the deep foundations of their lives are hidden from view. Now, there's a number of similarities in this illustration about the two builders. Both are, or at least it seems to be, uh, that both of them are builders, which means that they're both living in this life. They're both living here. It is your life that is being built or uh, not being built on the sayings of Jesus. Both are active in house building. Both of them are able to complete their houses. They build their lives. And I want you to take note that it doesn't say that these houses are perfect or that the houses have no, no, no problems or no, no issues. The lives aren't perfect, uh, but they're both built It's important to note that both battled equal elements. Both of them faced the storm. Both houses, both lives received rain. Both lives received the floods. Both lives received the wind. See, no life is without struggle. 
Say, oh, I've got such a hard life. Everything seems wrong. Everything bad seems to happen to me. Get over it. That's everybody's life, okay? Storms come. They're going to happen. They both had the same privilege in that both of them heard the words of Jesus. These words include, of course, all the Sermon on the Mount and all of God's words, not just the words in this particular illustration. Both of them hear the same voice, the voice of Jesus Christ. They have the same commandments that are spoken to them. The houses look the same. The materials are the same. The difference is not in the structure. The difference is in the foundation. Remember the two houses in the hurricane test there? Both looked identical on the outside, but in the fortified house, you didn't see the reinforcement straps. You, you had to go dig and remove parts of the wall to see it uh, fastened to the foundation, and you had to get up in the roof, uh, up in the rafters to see where the walls and the roof were connected by the reinforcement straps. The real question is not whether they hear Christ's teaching or even whether they respect it or believe it, but whether they do what they hear. And only a storm is going to reveal the truth. And the storms, again, they will come. You will have storms. We have seen many people claiming to have faith. But unless that faith is lived out, it's a dead faith. James chapter 2, verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Faith produces works. It's not the works that save you, but because of our salvation, because of what Jesus has done for us, because of his Holy Spirit and his word living within us, obedience to the words of Christ, obedience to the words of God are not an option. It's something that we live out day in and day out. Our faith, our salvation is shown by the works that the Holy Spirit enables us to do. Doing and living out the word, Jesus likens that person to a wise man, the man that builds his house upon a rock. Now, any builder knows that the foundation is like the most important part of any house, but only the wise builder will take the necessary time the necessary effort to make sure that the foundation is exactly the way it's supposed to be. The same illustration is recounted in Luke chapter 6, uh, verses 46 to 48, where Jesus says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood rose and the stream beat, beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. You have to dig deep to find the rock and put the foundation on the rock, not the shifting sand. And the word here in Luke chapter 6, deep, applies to the deep things of God, uh, things hidden, uh, thing, things that are, that, that, that are tucked away from casual scrutiny. 
This man realized that asking God, seeking God, and knocking on God's kingdom door were far more than just scratching the surface. It was far more than a casual devotion. It was far more than just reading a chapter or two a week. Uh, he was searching and seeking after a, an, 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 an intense relationship with God. Far more than what you see and what you do. You must dig deep. The foundation, really the foundation for your house, the foundation for your life. It's not even your foundation. It is the sayings of Jesus. That's the foundation. And the wise man obeys and the wise man hears. Now the foundation of the wise man's house, it's, it's, it's on Christ's teachings, it's on Jesus himself. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The sayings of Jesus, that's the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Even Jesus himself being tempted by Satan, Matthew 4, 4, but he answered and said unto him, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Doing the word of God is building your house, your life on the rock. So Jesus likens those who do not live out his word he likens them to a foolish man, verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man that built his house on the sand. Not doing the words of Jesus leaves our salvation in doubt. If you or I are not living out every day, especially in those areas where the world cannot see, those areas where only you and God see, then you may have good reason to question your salvation. John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, He that saith, I know him, I know Christ, and keepeth not his commandments, you see the key, knowing Christ is evidenced by keeping the commandments, so you say you know Christ, but you don't keep his commandments, John says that that person is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You can't separate the teachings from the teacher. A lot of lives, a lot of houses look and seem strong, but below the surface, what is not evident, what is unseen, is that they built on soft, shifting sand, an insecure foundation. It's the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ that's what matters. It is faith in him and faith in his work, not the external righteousness of your own deeds, your own works that make the house stable. It's the doctrines and teachings of the word of God. And if you're trusting in the doctrines and teachings of your works to make your house strong, your foundation is going to crumble. You know, what, what is commendable, even in the conduct of the foolish builder, is that he wasn't uh, a neglector of religious things. 
And there's nothing wrong with the house itself, the house he built. I mean, he spent long hours on it, uh, just like the wise man did. But, but the things that he neglected were, 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 were of vital importance. I mean, he did not correctly calculate the storms that his house would have to endure. He thought of only the present fine weather. He ignored the coming judgment. The foolish man does not reject what he hears. He just doesn't do what he hears. See, instruction minus application equals failure. The rains, the floods, the winds, they are coming. It's not an if. It's a when. A storm will come. The storm is, 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 in this passage, it can be judgment, either temporal or eternal. Those that are not just hearing the word of God, but are doing the word of God, are building their house solid. But if you hear the word of God and you do not do the words of God, your life is not built on the rock. And when the storm comes, it will crumble. Chapter 7, verse 25 says that the rains descended, floods came, winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, because it was founded on the rock. doesn't matter what the world will throw at us. We who live uh, out the word of God, who build our houses on the rock, are safe. It's not the same for those who do not do what Jesus says. Verse 27, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell. And it didn't just fall, it says, and great was the fall of it. It was obliterated. See, it doesn't matter who you are. God doesn't impress easy, you know. God knows us inside and out. It matters very little to God if you're a preacher, a deacon, a trustee, a Sunday school teacher, somebody who is always faithful to be at church day in and day out whenever the doors are open. If you're not living out the word of God, then the trials and judgments are coming. The storm will tell whether you've built on the rock or built on the sand. But by by time that happens, by time your foundation has been revealed to you, your life would have already fallen into ruin. By time your foundation is exposed, it's too late. What can we get from this? What can we take home? First of all, you can trust the word of God. You can build your life on the word of God. If you're living out the word, then you are on the rock and you will not be moved when the storms of this life come or when the storm of judgment comes. You're living, um, you're living safely. So you have to ask yourself then, 
Are you living out the word or are you putting on a show? Did you dig deep through all your worldly cares to find the rock to build your life on? Or are you trusting yourself, your, your self-righteousness, your philosophy, your priorities, your short-sightedness? Are you trusting what the world is offering you? See, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it will dissolve like cotton candy in water when the storms come. And your house, your life will be destroyed. It is only Jesus. Only his teaching will deliver what he promises and more. So the question that, again, you, you have to be asked is, is, are you going to be foolish and not do as Jesus says, or are you going to be wise and do what Jesus says? Will you build your life on the rock, the sayings of Christ. Or will you be a fool? That's what Jesus is asking you. That's the choice. One choice, two options. Wise or foolish, a life that lasts, a life that will be destroyed. Jesus wants you to choose wisely. We must hear and we must do. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to obey. We must obey. So one more time. How will you choose to build your life? Stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, once again, we want to thank you for this time in your word. We thank you, Lord, that you make the choices for us very, uh, very simple. The choice is either life or death. The choice is either you or not you. Father, for those of us that you have led to choose you, to choose life, to choose obedience to you and your word, to submit ourselves to you and your teaching, to come to you in faith to be saved, I thank you. Thank you for the mercy and grace that you have shown and bestowed on our lives. But Lord, for anyone this morning that does not know you, a Savior that has not chosen to build their lives on you, your teachings, your word, for those that have not submitted to you in obedience, they have never asked you for forgiveness. They have never repented of their sins. Lord, their lives are built on sand and they will fall. And I pray that you would convict them, Father. I pray that your spirit would enlighten them, give them that spiritual understanding, Lord, convince them of their sin and convict them, Father, of the way that they have trespassed against you. And Father, please lead them to faith in Christ. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's going to be looking around. Say, Pastor, I think I've been building my life on sand and I need it built on the rock. Would you pray for me? Put your hand up and down real quick. It's high enough for me to see it. I've not been building right. Please pray for me. Hand up and hand down. Thank you. I see it. I see that one. 
Okay, one more question. Pastor, I'm not sure I know Jesus is my Savior. I, I, I don't remember a time that I have, uh, you know, I've asked Jesus to save me. I've not repented my sins. I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven when I die or not. Would you pray for me? Just your hand up and hand down real quick. I see that one. Anybody else? Okay. I see that one too. I encourage you to come and uh, talk to me, talk to Becky, Keith, Sharon, Phil, Mike, Andrea. Will you get this settled? That if you're not now, you can start getting your house built on the solid rock. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for the working of your spirit and the people here. And we pray, Father, that thy will be done in the hearts and lives of people that belong to you or soon will belong to you because you have led them to faith in Christ. To that end, Father, and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead? Thank you.